Hello, everyone, and welcome to a sticky episode of the Drywall Podcast. I'm your host, once again, Nick Harmon. With us today, Kevin Bush out of Montana on part four of our Adventures in Drywall series. We begin talking about the great Rocky Mountain adventure coming up in Canada, but quickly switch gears into the world of the wet and stick and why this concept may have died on the vine. Building, they loved it. They said, this is what we're going to use forever. Grabber bought in fully and they told me we're going with this. It was full bore on. They did a strip mall shortly after that. And there was a bad batch of glue that came out of the factory. So Lee manufactured this stuff, but he used a coating company in New Jersey that would actually take these rolls of paper that were like 12 feet long, that would score it, put the adhesive on the back, and then put it on rolls. They got a bad batch of glue that would reactivate. Nobody knows, nobody would take responsibility. So they used it on the strip mall. I get this call and they said, you got to get down here tomorrow. All this tape's falling off the wall after it was coated. We talk about why it's so challenging to move new concepts in the drywall space. We also talk about a no-coat failure and how different regions might be more open to new ideas than others. We receive a special pop-in from a builder, and we also get a little bit into political correctness. All fit into this wonderful episode, the 79th episode of the Drywall Podcast. I'm very excited and honored to kick off the 2024 sponsorship series with Columbia Tools as our January and February sponsor. This is the second time Columbia has sponsored the Drywall Podcast, and I'm super grateful to them for that. Stay tuned throughout January for some exciting ice bath giveaways, all culminating into a special Rocky Mountain adventure happening at the end of February, where I'll be interviewing two surprise guests. Columbia Tools is a family-owned and operated business that's been rocking the drywall finishing scene for over four decades. Manufactures commercial-grade tools in Canada using cutting-edge machinery and all North American materials. Catch my two-part interview with Aaron and Elliot of Columbia Tools, episodes 23 and 26, as well as my live interview with Bernie St. James, their dad and founder of Columbia Tools, on episode 54. You can also catch this, my full interview with Bernie, on our Instagram page have questions about the drywall podcast you hate me you hate the content that i'm delivering you hate life let me know about it i'm open to listening you can get in touch with me at info at frescoharmony.com or give me a call at 505-400-9313 i'd love to talk to you about anything but for now kevin bush In the fourth adventure in drywall on this Adventure in Drywall series, let's get into it. We've got, once again, Kevin Bush, Adventures in Drywall, the uh, guru of drywall, one of them. And the reason Kevin knows so much is because 
he spent many years traveling the country selling no coat for grabber and you got to know a bunch of players in the industry and you ultimately wrote an article for uh for walls and ceilings magazine called adventures in drywall if you would like to know more about that backstory from kevin you can go back to part one after that episode i decided to have kevin on uh periodically so that we could discuss some of these adventures in drywall that he's had and you're kind of our token industry expert on the show. Uh, so that's the background. Now, Kevin was asking about the Great Rocky Mountain Adventure. We were chatting a little bit before the show, which I never do. I like to go in raw. We'll get into some specific aspects of No Coat and this crazy product called Wet and Stick that I want to know more about. But before that... Um, what was your question about the Great Rocky Mountain Adventure? Well, we were kind of discussing this, and I know you've discussed <laughs> different things through the years with me. Yeah. And you were talking about having some sort of a drywall rodeo or or whatever you call it. And I, I said, you know, we used oh. to do these shows on the East Coast. I think they were called, uh, yeah, JLC it was, okay. I think. Yeah. I, I forget. It was three letters, either JLC, LB, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of times they were in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. Byron Ferguson would always be there doing his drywall demos, you know, with a headset. And one year they set up, I think it was at that show, where they had uh, knee walls built. And the, the contest was who could hang both sides of it and bead them the fastest. And there were outlets you'd have to cut. It'd have to be screwed off. And then the winner would get a prize or whatever. And I thought that you were discussing doing something to that sort of like that yeah with people from all around the country yeah and i thought it was a cool idea because i've seen it in a small scale at the show and guys would participate in like that is that what you were talking about with this rocky mountain thing no we were originally talking about an olympics but i think drywall rodeo sounds way better um and that might <laughs> maybe we'll do that in the future no a drywall in montana yeah we do that one the in montana in montana there yeah go. um the the drywall olympics where you would have certain competitions based on like the speed of the bazooka but it would be judged on all all kinds of different factors you'd have to pick judges things like this uh, uh, we were talking briefly with CSR, uh, up in Toronto about maybe hosting something like this. Um, you know, we'd want to get other drywall distributors, manufacturers, things like this on online. Uh, Trimtex would be a good facility to have something like this at. It was just an idea. It, it sort of fizzled. Um, and this would be in the stead of, or in addition to the AWCI, this was coming on the coattails of my experience at the AWCI, which was like, it was okay, but you're, you get seven and a half hours of floor time. It's basically the big wigs, uh, you know, rubbing each other's backs and, uh, patting each other's butts over the great job that they're doing in the, and, and the smaller people like. Fresco Harmony, uh, a lot more challenging. We're trying to eke out a little, uh, a, 
existence here in this industry. And we'll talk about that as well later, but that that show isn't really designed for people like me to drop $10,000 for the amount of exposure and the ROI that I'm getting. Granted, I could be better at my follow-up, but just for the amount of exposure, I would be better served to fly up to Illinois and do a Fresco Harmony, the great Fresco Harmony adventure that we just had in Illinois with Sean Ramsden, Brawley's Dad Construction, It's Your Man Cam, and Chad. We hung out, had a ball, did Fresco Harmony, had some laughs, and created a lot of content, which generated energy. That's a much better route, money expenditure, energy expenditure for me marketing-wise than... Uh, going to maybe an industry show that's uh, in, the prices are inflated and I don't get the type of ex exposure that I want and not a lot of interest from people that I really want to be interested in. So that adventure gave birth to the concept. And I think Aaron had Aaron with Columbia Tools had a idea for a bunch of people coming together because when we were in British Columbia, we did some work for his dad, Bernie, uh, up in Victoria, BC on this beautiful island. He's got this house that they're remodeling. They had a bunch of wallpaper, this and that, that he had stripped down and we did some fresco harmony. So when we were up in uh, BC, we were doing this job. We were all having a bunch of fun. Aaron did some funny videos and Aaron was like uh, one of the guys that works in his company, Tish his his parents or he's building a house or something this giant house and so Aaron was like oh yeah we should get a bunch of people together to come finish this house and that idea sort of took took root also in Illinois when we were there and we were like we should do that we should have you know and Sean Ramston sort of spearheading this as the GC but he's sort of the organizing instrument of all of this Chad's an expert drywall uh, finisher. He's into fresco. Cam's into fresco. He's you know now working with USG in certain capacities. So these people are starting to gain more influential momentum, and they're friends with Gilbert Taping Tools and Teak out of Alberta, Canada. Let's all get together and finish this house. How fun would that be? And we could right. also do we could also do fresco too. And now I'm in contact with the designer and Tish, the owner of the house, talking to them. And I've already sent them samples about, because the designer was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, plaster the whole house if I could, if there was any way that I could. I'm like, of course you can plaster the whole house. You're going to have like these ballers up there, myself included, that know how to fresco, have done thousands of square feet. We can do as much as you want. But that idea is on the table too, where we have a training too, where you can learn fresco harmony. You, uh, Aaron can showcase maybe his uh, bazooka. USG is supplying all of the mud. Trim techs, we want to do uh, some specialty corner bead. Trim techs is offering corner bead. So it's starting to grow into this like reality drywall show. That's HD. Like HDTV reality drywall show where you have these influencers that are doing drywall where we have companies sponsoring it and we're all just having a ball on a real house, not a bunch of fake panels. 
Why when not? I told you there's a very possible, it's very possible in two months, there might be an 800 sheet job going up right. here that they might be interested in doing that on. So that would right. be very cool. So on a project like that, Chris spearheads the the Fresco Harmony. We use it as a training and we have people come in. It's We're not sitting around in a bunch of silly aprons and little trowels making samples. We're doing a job and I send you into a room. And if you screw it up, we'll redo it. Right. You're, do, you're getting on the job training to learn this product. Chris gets the job done. I'm there, so there's uh, protection and the job getting done properly. There's peace of mind for the homeowner and the builder that it's going to get done properly, and everybody we have a we have a bunch of fun. I think it's a win-win. It's a great <clears throat> idea. Yeah. So you and I were talking a little bit. That's the long way of getting around to some of the challenges of marketing new products in this industry. We were talking specifically about a product called Wet and Stick, which you've brought up. I talked a little bit with Wolfgang on his interview, and it just, for some reason, it hasn't left me the brilliance of this product where uh, you wet this tape, you stick it to the wall, you don't need any mud, it adheres to anything, but they had a problem and the product lost its momentum. And I wanted to just do a deeper dive into this product wet and stick from your vantage point. You were, give us a little bit of background on the wet and stick and where it came from. All right. So let's go back to one of your, I think our first interview you talked about when we were talking about running the tube and the first time they sent you up on scaffold to fire tape with a bazooka, which is just retarded. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so think about that process. You're up there, even if you're using mud, okay? There's no reason to have to mud around all those protrusions, yeah. okay? So, yeah. Do you remember what I did we, with the bazooka? Do you remember what I did? Yes, you threw yeah. it. I okay. threw it. We've all thrown one. <laughs> so that stuck in my mind, and that's what made me recall the wet and stick. Okay. So I'll go through the history of the Wednesday, but just think for yourself, if you could get up there with a water activated tape and you're not getting messy and you've got a little bucket of water, you're getting them wet, you're putting all these pieces around and you're sealing all of these protrusions that go through the holes and sealing them up. Yeah. No mud requirement. Done. And it's, it's reached all the testing. It was a two-hour fire-rated test from New York City, mold-resistant. It, it passed all the fire tests. Tons of money went into. Sorry, there's articles on Walls and Ceilings magazine. Yes. Just FYI, you can go into the archives, type in, and I did this this morning, type in wet and stick, and you'll it'll pull up the archives that talk about the ratings of this product. Well, the wet and stick tape was not fire rated. That's where you use everything else. Lee also, Lee Goldman, the owner of DuraTape at the time, came out with a product called Blaze Blocker Ice. And it was a fire resistant paper that you could hold up and take a cigarette lighter and just sit there and it would not catch on fire. And it, he spent all the money to have it fire tested. It reached a two hour rating in New York City. It got certified. Okay, so imagine you can use that. Everybody's tried that plastic pink stuff that's crap that falls right off the wall. You have to use the special plastic knife with knife, 
little notches in it. It would always fall off. It was expensive. Okay. It was a plastic and it didn't work. This okay. stuff actually, once it dried on the wall from the, the blaze blow, if you want to peel it, paper right off the drywall that's how good the glue stuck so you'd never have to worry about it delaminating so that's why i thought about this when you were talking about fire taping mm -hmm. so the evolution was do you remember you interviewed adam loose like yeah. a month or two ago yeah i originally had met his father his father was a journeyman taper that was repping better than ever tools i was working for grabber Grabber was sort of looking for a way to get wet and stick tape wet on the back without just rolling into a bucket. So we were at a show. I was called like on a Friday morning. Wait a second, though. Let's back up even farther. So what was the relationship to Grabber and Lee Goldman? How did those two hook up to... Uh, start before we get to uh, the the uh, better than ever person, uh, Andy Luce. How did those two? How did that? How did that connection occur? Um, there was the uh, the CEO's brother of Grabber at the time. His name was Doug Holmberg, and he was the vice president of new product development. Okay, and I worked for him. And since I was actually a guy that knew how to work these products. Whenever sure. something new would come across his desk or he'd see something at a show, he'd call me up and say, I need you to fly to Portland to check this out or okay. hey, go down to Texas. So he somehow had hooked up with Lee Goldman with this wet stick. And I don't remember sure. where that happened. Grabber had a booth at this show. The loose boys, Adam, Andy, and Alex were in a booth with the better than ever tools. And I show up this show and i see this tape that's water activated i'd never seen it or heard of it before and he was sticking little pieces of tape in a little cup of water and sticking it on the wall and i'm like well that's kind of cool well how do you do it in production he goes well i don't know yet so better than ever tools had that tool that i think adam talked about the super taper it was a, a thing that would go into a bucket of mud and you'd string your whole roll of tape through into a little bucket and you'd hand tape with mud mm -hmm. The the same philosophy would work with the wet and stick, you'd think, but not it if it. Did. So that's where my brain went immediately after watching him struggle for an hour. I walked over and met my buddies in their booth, and I said, "Can I borrow your super taper for a while?" Oh, okay. And we put it in a bucket of water. We put it in our booth, and we're pulling it through there. And Doug Holmberg looks at it and goes, "That's genius. We could use that for wet and stick." So okay. we continued the rest of the show using the super taper, running wet and stick through water. I love that synergy. Um, that's so cool how two products can sort of work together. So that was the culmination of the the beginning of the relationship. Right. Uh, where does the wet and stick go from there? Or I guess also how does that relationship uh, uh, develop from there? With Well, Doug, after the show said, I want you to take this out and show it to some people and see if anybody's interested. The wet and stick so, and and the applicator system. Right. The, now, with mud, you have an activation time where I can reel out 250 feet into a slot box and then go and put it up. Could you do that with the wet and stick? You would have to put it right up because it's all going to stick into a big clump in your box, right? No. You're not, you're not putting it into a slot box. So 
the first one of the first jobs we took it to was in Virginia, and it was a multi-story old folks home. It was like a hotel, and it was a very one of the largest contractors in DC area. We took it on the job, showed it to him, and he said we'd like to try that. So they took those little tiny baker scaffolds, the little ones on wheels that can roll stuff around. Yeah, and they put both of the shelves on the bottom level with a bucket of water and a super taper in it. Oh, okay. And the tapers would roll it in, roll that little mini baker into the room, and they'd pull out tape and put it right on the wall, and they'd go right around on a commercial job. You've got no ceilings. They were just walking around every room. And and it wasn't, you didn't have like five seconds to stick it. Once you got it wet, that glue would get real sticky, and it would stay wet for minutes. Did you have to wear gloves? Did you have to wear gloves? No. The, the glue would come right off. It was really cool stuff. It wouldn't react to your skin. And the cool part was it only had one activation cycle. Once it got wet and the glue activated and put it on the wall, once that tape dried, you could get it wet again. It would not reactivate the glue. So when you coated it, it wouldn't get it wet and lift. It was okay. really, really cool stuff. And just to pause really quick, uh, um, Kevin has talked with Lee Goldman and he is okay with maybe being on the show. So I, I you know, we're going to, we're going to do, uh, you know, we'll do some background on him, uh, which he has a very interesting background, but also his experience with this wet and stick and how, you know, his trials and tribulations, which I feel like did not vet fully enough uh like they didn't vet this system because now you're not even talking about a taper you're talking about some ridiculous apprentice this is going along throwing this crap on the wall <laughs> like you don't need a pro see that's why this contractor loved it he told us i used to have my best finishers running the tubes to tape they're yeah. my highest paid guys he goes i can drop those guys back now to finish because I can take apprentices to put this stuff on the wall. It's yeah. a monkey can do it, he said. Mm-hmm. So it really changed their whole process. And these guys were floors ahead. There were there were floors of units completely taped. So on inside corners, all they do is they pull it through, crease it, put it in, and you take a regular corner roller, roll it into place. It's done. And you would use a corner roller and the glue would not mess up your corner roller. Okay. The glue was only on the back side. The glue wouldn't even come off. No. You could g- run a roller over the stuff and it'd seat it perfectly inside 90s. Okay. The stuff worked great. Um, and we'll get into the patch of the patching aspects of this product also in a bit, because there's some there's some uh speculation or uh about patenting and uh, another company that maybe took this took this idea and sort of ran with it in the patching space, but uh, we're not there yet. Yeah. Are you familiar with the NOCO corners that came out that were called hydro trim? No, no. NOCO, I don't know if they still make them, but they came out with a corner called hydro trim. So, you know, no, all the other beads are tape on beads. So you have to put mud on the wall, set the corner and roll it. Yes. Yes. NOCO came out with a corner called hydro trim had the same glue on the backside. Okay. You take a spray bottle of water, spray it down, stick it on the corner, roll it, done, installed. Love it. And they sold truckloads of the stuff. Same exact process on a corner bead instead of tape. 
It's the same. And did we talk about did we talk about the three way using this technology? And they That's tried the it. They've done a three way. Just stick it in there. For some reason, I feel like they tried it or something. I would have to do. I'll have to do a little bit more research. It didn't. It didn't work for some reason or something or another. They tried doing it or they were infringing on patents. I don't know. Um, I don't want to speculate. Say, and we talked about it with no coat. We talked about it with the panel max machine. I'm never going to say it's right for every job. And where my brain went immediately when I saw wet and stick tape was the remodeling contractor that does the kitchen, bathroom, basement remodels. Taping is the hardest part. Anybody can kind of coat and sand, but the taping they struggle with. Think yeah. about this. If none of the if if none of the companies wanted to even be the market for the DIY and the remodeling guys, I thought would have been huge. Because now they can put tape on with water. Okay, so two questions. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the application possibilities are go without saying. That's why I'm. That's why we're we're fleshing this wet and stick concept out a little bit because this stuff intrigues me. Uh, and and the, not only the innovation of the idea, but why it's not commonplace in the industry today. That's the other part that intrigues me. The the uh, company that was doing the project, what was the name of that company? Because they they were an early adapter of the wet and stick system and the project that they used it on and they had like 100% success, correct? Yeah, so the first building was the one I told you about. It was about a 12 to 14 story high rise nursing home type building, like a big hotel. Okay. They used it in the entire building. They loved it. They said, this is what we're going to use forever. Grabber bought in fully and they told me we're going with this. It was full bore on. They did a strip mall shortly after that. And there was a bad batch of glue that came out of the factory. So Lee manufactured this stuff, but he used a coating company in New Jersey that would actually take these rolls of paper that were like 12 feet long that would score it, put the adhesive on the back and then put it on rolls. They got a bad batch of glue that would reactivate. Nobody knows, nobody would take responsibility. So they used on the strip mall. I get this call and they said, you got to get down here tomorrow. All this tape's falling off the wall after it was coded. Unsuccessfully, the very next job they used it on, it all started falling off the yeah. wall. Yeah. You're so at, at that point, what's your, like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it really going to work? And so there was a number of things that happened like this. Right. There were more, and I'll let Lee talk about that if you want to, but sure. that's what can happen quickly. Something like we discussed this. If the first 500 Teslas all caught on fire, nobody buy Teslas. There's millions of Teslas out there now. People know they catch on fire but the momentum's already there. If there would have been 500 jobs across the country that had used it successfully and one job failed, yeah. it would have been much different. This was the second big job. It's a 50% so uh, failure rate. <laughs> so that, you know, timing is everything. And why couldn't that happen five years down the road? And everybody said, well, shit happens sometimes.
I'm looking at it like, so there must have been so much money invested that like, and maybe the manufacturer didn't want to take responsibility. The glue, the the company putting the glue onto the tape roll, they didn't want to take responsibility. Whatever the reason, it still seems like as a passionate entrepreneur, I'm like, that's just one job. This stuff worked on this other job. Let's keep... Let's keep going. Let's keep going with this product. This isn't the end. We're gonna we're gonna retool this. We're gonna make it right, and we're gonna recompensate you on this project. Okay. Lee was self financing all this. Okay, Bradley never backed out. Lee was financing the whole thing on his dime, and he tried for quite a while to push through, and he made it right. He paid people the money to fix it. And and went to the manufacturer said this kid he he did his due diligence, but at some point you run out of money, and you get tired of walking up the hill with the big boulder on your shoulder, and he I think for two years kept trying, and yeah. without financial backing yeah and you know it's a small industry word got around hey yeah on this one but it fell off. And it can poison the well quickly, but he yeah. tried. He gave it to college try. Especially with a company like Grabber, and we've discussed it, like even with Fresco Harmony, if I had a house 10 years in, if I had a house where all the mud fell off the wall, like it would cripple me. Like, you know, uh, it, you know, it just would. I mean, we have a lot of people using the product, but if something disastrous happened uh it would be very hard to recover from because it's it's hard enough to push new products in this space as it is um right. and i was thinking about it um there are new products in this space but uh so what happens with so then there's a lot of fallout cuz because you have andy uh, loose the triple A boys, they're working with this new tool. Uh, <laughs> and also, well, Wolfgang home. Wolfgang gets pulled right, into right. the mix. <laughs> so, think about this Andy, Alex, and Adam are all entrepreneur thinking guys. So, after this show and seeing what we did with the super taper, they're like, you know what, that was cool and all, but what if you could have something that you wore on your waist? like a tape roll dispenser everybody uses, but it has some sort of a water container. And I think Alex on his own went to one of his friends who was an HVAC guy. And they designed a metal box with a lid that would come up. You drop the roll of wet and stick down there. It had a slot and come out. You could put water in there and close the lid. It had a belt loop. And you now have it on your waist and you could pull it out and put it right on the wall. He did that on his own dime and his because he believed in the product too. So we took that tool and looked at it. And Lee goes, that's a great idea, but, you know, it can't be metal. It'll cut the shit out of somebody. And if you drop it, it'll break. So then the whole idea came, well, who do we talk to that's an inventor and makes stuff? And we came up with Wolfgang. Because Wolfgang's a tinker that makes all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So then we all went up <clears throat> to Canada and had this meeting with Wolfgang. Wolfgang was going to design something that you could be wearing on your, on your waist like a tape roll dispenser with a water container. And uh, he started doing that. And then this whole thing happened with the product. Lee actually went to China, found the manufacturer and made, he I think he called it a saturator. It was made out of plastic. It would go on your waist. 
and would do the exact thing. I had a couple in my garage back in the day, and it worked well. He ordered a bunch of them, had them sent over. So he kept pushing, but he was going up this steep hill, and he couldn't overcome it. Was So there was two people making this saturator-type tool. There was Wolfgang, and there was also— Wolfgang but, never really finished it. I think the whole bad batch thing happened shortly after we went and met with Wolfgang. I think he had spent some time to start working on something and making a prototype. Yeah. And then the bad thing came, and Grabber backed out. And I think Lee probably called Wolfgang and said, this isn't going to happen, sorry. So yeah. then he took it on his own to the manufacturer and he believed in it enough to fly to china and meet with an extrusion manufacturer give yeah. them designs and they'd send them on over and he'd say this isn't quite right they'd make another one okay. they went through three or four iterations of it before they dialed it in and they actually came up with one that worked real well it was made out of plastic that we basically could give the guys if they buy product Okay. Uh, Wolfgang, too, says that he still has rolls of the wet stick. In his shop. <laughs> I so got every floating around somewhere. I don't. I want to see this stuff. Yeah. I want to. I want to like use it and like to. I mean, talk about content. And we're you know we're we're starved for new content in the drywall space. With these creators and stuff. Uh, how fun would it be in the great Rocky mountain adventure to get several rolls of the wet and stick? There you go. I'm sure Lee probably has some call him up. <laughs> Have Lee come out. We'll reinvigorate the wet and stick, uh, uh, concept, uh, in the, in the space. And we'll just start marketing it, you know, uh, from the ground level, uh, despite, despite this one, one failure. It just makes no sense that the powers it be have so much influence that, and I guess this was, what year was this too? Early 2000s, probably. And then I'm always like thinking about Fresco Harmony. I was like, God, these guys have this great idea. You've got Grabber. You've got the, the uh, Better Than Ever Boys. Wolfgang's all jazzed about it. He's making tools. People are throwing money at it. One one little failure. One little failure. Everybody jumps ship. They're like, no, it doesn't work. Makes no That's sense. What happens nowadays? I mean, that makes no sense. Run the world, and everybody's scared about lawsuits, you know. And Grabber at that point was a very good company. All of their products they stand behind. If if a deck failed and somebody used our deck master and it was proven that it was the deck master's brackets fault, they pay to fix the deck. I mean, Grabber always stood behind their products back in the day. I don't know if they still do. I don't work there anymore. Sure. So they were very cautious of <clears throat> standing behind it. And I think they looked at this job and said, oh man, if we have this happen and we got to bite it on a 12 story building, our liability is huge. So I can't really blame them. You know, it's, what are you going to do? Somebody at the end of the day looks at the numbers and decides whether it's worth it or not. I feel like the idea, the the value of the idea and the speed at which you can apply the tape far outweighs one failure. Like, Well, I'll tell you a little bit of backstory that nobody knows. <laughs> when they first started manufacturing no code, it's not an exact science when you're taking a piece of paper on one side, putting molten plastic in the center with joint tape on the back going through an extruder extremely hot and as it cools it deforms i climbed through warehouses with bill scannell for two weeks one time when bad sticks came out 
they would, when they would cool, they would go too tight like this and you roll them on the wall and they flatten out. But as they, as before the mud dried, they'd go back like this and they'd back off the wall. There were dumpsters full of no coat that got thrown in the, in, in the landfill and the <clears> amount <throat> of money that was wasted. But at that point, there was enough success behind no coat and they promised us that they'd dial it in. And they did. They got it to the point where most of the stuff that came out was pristine. But the first couple of years, dumpsters loads, containers of no coat got thrown into landfills that didn't quite get manufactured right. But that was one of Grabber's babies. And tell us yep. to just especially for laymen like me, like a lot of people, and this is no offense to anybody, a lot of people are like, corner beads, corner bead, dude. You know, I knew, like, Trimtex makes unique corner beads. They're, they're uh, you know, they're they platinum. products. They're strong. They, they take yeah. a lot of pride in what they do. There's metal corner beads. There's tape-on metal corner beads at Home Depot that you can buy, and you can go tape-on uh, metal corner bead. Uh uh, you know, bead X, these different brands make like corner bead. I never thought about like, cause people no coat is like Kleenex. It's like a brand. It's like, cause so people in the industry are really passionate about no coat, just like they're passionate about plaster. Because they don't crack. <clears throat> they don't dent, they don't crack. So pretty much everybody has a tape on version of bead. Now when no coat came out, it was new. Everybody was using either metal corner bead or bead X, which was basically a thin piece of metal with paper on the edges. And the bead X on the nose, the metal would go like this and it still lift. Okay. The no coat had plastic in it. So if you hit it, it was like a plastic bumper on a car that would flex, but the edges wouldn't crack and it'd go right back to its original form. No coat was a pioneer. Everybody's okay. got tape on corners now. And from what I hear, there's some really good ones out there, but no yeah. coat was the first. Okay. And so I guess that, you know, with, with the maybe success of no, but you were saying that no coat really struggled and you personally struggled because you were selling no coat. <laughs> I wasn't selling it. I was the guy that would go out and show guys how to use it and introduce it to them. I wasn't a salesman, but I'd show up on jobs where guys would tell me to get the fuck off their job Yeah, because we use metal and that's all we'll ever use. And they didn't care if it was faster or stronger or took less mud. They didn't care. Right. And it was a slog. Now, if you haven't, at least, if you're in the drywall world now and you haven't at least heard the word no coat, you're living under a rock. Everybody knows what it is now. But back in the 90s, nobody knew what this does. So they'd say, no coat. You still have to coat it. And I'd say, Nike Airs don't make you fly, but that's what they call those sneakers. <laughs> You know, so I kind of was annoyed at the name at first, no coat, because guys was like, oh, we'll put it on, we don't have to coat it. I'm like, no, it takes a lot less much stuff to coat it. But, you know, guys would get pissed off. Well, you shouldn't call it that. You still have to coat it. Right? They're obviously not in marketing. Right. <laughs> um, it's they call it. I mean, a name's a name's a name, right? It's Nike a great name. Do not make you jump 25 feet in the air. Not no, it's a, it's a great name. It's a great name. Uh, Tim Ferriss talks about that naming books, and he 
you know, wrote the four hour work week, which obviously you don't work a four hour work week. It's moot, but it's a great name. And then he's got the four hour body. He's got the four hour uh, chef. He's got, you know, uh, names are a big deal. And uh, it's a great name. And it obviously stuck. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a little background on Kevin your your history in this industry i guess i don't know if we've ever delved into that how you went from drywall to we probably did drywall to grabber where did they find you why did they why did they pluck you out of the trenches to come work for them well we kind of talked about i'll quick say um i i was an early adopter and when i saw no coat and it was my sole proprietor business you know i i guaranteed my houses for a year and so most of the stuff I was fixing after a year were corner beat because people would move in, they'd run into them, they'd crack. If the house settled a little bit, they'd crack. And it took a lot of time to fix them. So when I heard there was a corner that wouldn't crack, and they were four times as expensive. Metal was like $30 a box back then. And I think the first boxes of no coat were like a buck forty or a buck fifty a box. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. But I thought if I don't have to fix them, it's worth it. It takes a lot less time to put them on. It took virtually hardly any mud at all to coat them. You could run an eight inch box over them and they look like glass. So I saw the, the advantages to it. And so the owner at the time lived on the West Coast and he was on a plane like every week traveling. And I guess he was looking for someone that could kind of help promote his corners. And they came on one of my jobs I was using it on and they met me. And they offered me a position to come and sell, or not sell, but show no code. And I had I had always had my own business. I'd never worked for somebody. I had no interest in doing it. Yeah. So they kind of hired me as a, a rep that they could call in once in a while to help on a big job. Yeah. And after a few months, they were calling me every other day. And I said, look, I can't run my job and do this at the same time. It, there's not enough hours in a day. Yeah. So they ended up offering me a position that was pretty good. Yeah. And so I decided, well, I'll try it. If I don't like it, I'll just go back to my drywall business. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. I, a lot of the grabber guys used to call me their, you know, drywall donkey bitch, the demo bitch that, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, and I kind of laugh, but it would annoy me because I'm like, okay, you put it on, asshole. Right. Uh, there was a guy on yeah. the East Coast named Lou Tabeck, and he was one of those kind of guys, if you'd say the sky was blue, he'd say, no, it's green. We were on this big job. It was a Navy old folks home in Maryland. And there was a corridor in this building that must have been a block long. And every place there was a doorway, there was a kick with metal corner beat on it. Yeah. So after we did this demo... Mm -hmm. He said to me, well, what's the real deal with these? Why why should we sell these? I said, because they're clenching metal bead on. And I said, you can literally take your thumbnail and pull metal bead right off the wall. And he's like, oh, you're full of shit. No. So as we're walking off this job, I'm taking my thumbnail on every corner bead and going like this and pulling it right off the wall. And I pulled about 40 of them in a row off. Yep. Just to show him. Yeah. And he's looking like this, like this. So once in a while, he'll still call me up out of the blue and leave a message. You go, hey, Kevin Bush, it's impossible to pull a corner beat off with your thumbnail. And right, I, right. But right. even most of the grabber guys didn't believe it. They were used to selling fasteners. 
There were parts of the country I never demonstrated no code on the West Coast. The branch manager at the time wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted to sell screws. I never went to California, Oregon, or Washington. He didn't want me there. So the branches that really adopted it, the Northeast, the Philly area, Boston area, the D.C. area, Virginia. I had a guy, Tommy Sarnson, in the Midwest. He was the rep that would call on the AAA guys. He lived in Green Bay. Guys in Texas and Missouri, they realized I was paid by corporate. It cost them nothing to have me to come to town for a week. Okay, They'd have me come, and we'd go to five or ten of their customers a day, and I'd show it. And they're all of a sudden getting all these sales. Then they're saying to these other branches, why aren't you selling us? So they were kind of drug into this whole corner beat thing, kicking and screaming. But there were branches that wanted nothing to do with these drywall corners because grabbers sold fasteners. But not just drywall contractors are hard-headed. Some of the guys in sales are hard-headed. They're like, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want to be bothered. It goes all the way up. It goes all the, yeah. to, to the colored mud. And you're yeah. like, you're like, hey, man, the, they don't want anything to do with it. It's yeah. it's not making mud and, you know. But to me, it's just, I always use the analogy of like Silicon Valley. You know, there there's... They're always looking for new ideas. You've got these people, these angel investors that are ready to jump on any new idea that comes along because there's a potential. One of them's going to hit and they're going to become millionaires. <laughs> like, no, like no coat or wet and stick. Like these ideas are viable. It's not like they aren't. And that brings me to the next thing. There are new ideas emerging in this space. Despite the challenges, we've got Corey with the, tech dry great tool like you know it's just a great idea and there's there's variations on this tool that are endless you know that he could make we were talking about just making plastic ones how cool would that be just a less expensive plastic you know uh and well, you've got i'll tell you right now tell him this when when nelson first came out with the outside stick there was no roller for it and it was a specific profile so nobody else's roller would really see it perfect the first no-coat rollers they made out of plastic, and they were cheap, and we'd give them away. Problem is, if it was winter and somebody stood it on the wall and it fell, it would break. So <laughs> then they started making them out of metal, and they looked like an Ames roller, but they were a hundred bucks. And guys were like, "Well, I don't want to spend a hundred bucks." I'm like, "Well, you broke five plastic ones last month. I'm not going to give you any more." So you know, I think there's yeah. space for the really heavy metal one that the guys are going to use every day and they want one. But yeah. I also think there's space for a plastic one that might not survive a fall off of three scaffolds. Well, the advantage, another sale. the advantage to plastic one too, is you could cut it down. If it was cheaper, I could, I could manipulate it a little bit. It would still be cool and it would still flip right. out, you know, uh, or I could have a couple or two plastic ones, you know, in my, in my holder. But, uh, it's just interesting to me the challenges. We got a visitor. Tell me your name. Who who are we talking to here? That's my nephew Heath that's doing our edition that works with Chris doing drywall. Oh, okay. Heath, yeah. Um, Heath Jimerson. How's it going, Nick? We love Fresco Harmony. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, so yeah, Drybit is making a product for putting in your shower that's waterproof, and the finish just looks just like Fresco Harmony. Drive it. Uh, is it micro cement? Yes, it it is. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's 
It's the EFIS. It's like the similar to the EFIS product, you know, for the exterior. Yeah. We have a project. Instead of tile, that you always have to clean the ground and reseal it all the time. He did a job with it three years ago in Bozeman. Yeah. And he said it still looks like they just did it. It's like seven coats. And then you put multiple coats of sealer over it. Yeah. It's waterproof and maintenance free. Uh, I've, I've, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's a great product. Uh, we just did a house here where the lady was going to do lime, some sort of lime on all of her walls. And I sold her on Fresco Harmony. She came to the office. They're doing micro cement in their bathroom uh, in the shower area. They had challenges with the contractor. So then you get into like the applicators. You know, you have to have a good applicator that puts it on. It is laborious and time consuming. You ain't going to do the whole house in micro cement, but it's very cool in shower settings. I think it's awesome. Um, no, quick, I want while he's here because he's got to go work. Um, that big job he and Chris were doing probably may fit into this whole like Rocky Mountain adventure you want to do. Yeah, he's going to be talking to the owners. Okay. He's doing a job like this in Colorado where he's going to have like six or seven guys come and bang this big job out. So Nick said he'll help with that with the owners and all. But I was talking about that big job you guys bid. It's like 800 sheets. Yeah. It, yeah it's a 10,000 square foot structure. It's a barn dominium. Yeah. Just shy of 800 sheets. So we're going to, I'm going to try and sell them on some fresco harmony on some walls in the living area, which is the second story above. You know, uh, in this bar dominium, yeah, and uh, so yeah, the 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 thing is gigantic. It's the biggest bar okay. dominium I've ever seen. It's great. Let's chat. Um, I I have some time. Like a little bit later, I'll give you a call, and we'll just chat about this concept yeah. of. Sounds good. Yeah. Like too much, and all these guys are coming in and figuring it out. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's... So, so Nick, when you walk into Kim's office. It... This like has this amazing fresco harmony glow. It's it's the vibes are amazing. The energy, yeah, yeah. It's really is. I'm telling you, it's so cool. It I'm really glad you like. Yeah. It's just hey, it's just joint compound, man. It's just joint compound. I, I know, but then <laughs> but the other cool thing is with adding like the sand finish and all to make it like an yeah. old like plaster wall. What I need, you know, so all the things you got bigger. We'll talk you know? about that too, and that method is fast. Like there's a way to do that sand finish where you can blow it out like very fast. Yeah. Okay. No, we'll talk about it. About that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. To, good to meet you, sir. Yeah, we'll talk. That was funny. He just showed up. He started my shower. I heard him come through the door. I'm like, I wonder who this is. That's kind of cool. Is he doing the micro cement in your shower? Okay. So in our master bedroom suite, we had one of those tub shower things. My wife hates those. She just wants a walk-in shower. So yeah. he tore everything out. He's hanging the cement board. And, and he said... He did this shower and he says it's almost like flat fresco, but it's waterproof. So we went yeah. to town, picked out, I think there's three different colors he's going to use. So it'll kind of match my wife's granite that has all those weird colors in it. Yeah. So it should look pretty cool. That's cool. You could do, you could use it on an exterior too, like on a, you know, I mean, nothing against it. Like, you know, Venetian plaster, these systems. I am just like fresco harmony is just another thing that you can do hey, if fresco harmony was waterproof we'd do that 
like seven or eight steps. Yeah. You know, Fresco's yeah. three. Yeah. So, you know, you've got twice as many steps, but you got to use it in there because it has to be waterproof. Yeah. I mean, there's systems that we do on Boncos and in like massage parlors where you do two coats of sealer and then a urethane floor sealer that you can roll on or spread on it. It makes it like you could, you, it'll bead oil. You know, it right. makes it super strong. I mean, if you want to do the extra coats, there's extra cost. I feel like Fresco is more like, you know, a cost efficient way to like plaster your house. Like you could do every square inch if you wanted to. And it's not, it's not going to break the bank. If you don't like it, paint it. You're still covering up the butts and bands, two coats of mud. Once we do the back, once we do the back accent wall in our bedroom, I think there's four or five fresco areas in our house and they're all yeah. different. Since Heath is my nephew, when I went to work for Grabber, you know, he and his dad had that construction company in Nebraska that I started with my brother-in-law before I moved. So whenever anything new would come out, I'd call my brother-in-law and Heath up. And they'd be like, cool, bring it out and show us. So they were the first ones in the Midwest to use no coat. They used Acrylitex. Every product Grabber would come out with, they'd adopt. So Heath has always been an early adopter because uh, I'd feed him all the new stuff every time it come out. Right. You know, give me a chance to go out and see my family and work with it for a couple of days. So he's always been into the new technology. Our addition's all SIPs panels. That's all he uses now. It's that foam sandwich between OSB. It's the most efficient building method her back room's like a solar room when the sun comes out. Cool. I mean, he adopts all this new stuff, and it's usually much better than the old way. Yeah, yeah. But he has access to somebody that has their thumb on the pulse a little bit, you know. I mean, people are probably, you know, it was serendipitous that you and I met, you know. But I remember you yeah. being, you, you, I remember you being, uh, <clears throat> was it Chris that found out about me or something? And I sent him product. Yeah. And he sat on it for what three yep. years, four years, <laughs> yep. and uh, you know, and you were skeptical at first. You're like, "What? You know, what is this stuff? You're coloring mud." Well, here's what the, the heck? thing: with my job in grab, you don't realize how many products came across the desk, and they were hammer dog shit. Sure. So I'm the kind of guy. Let me look at it first. I gotta vet it. Yeah. And then if it passes my test, I'm all in. But I gotta vet it first because I saw a lot of products. And everybody thought it was the best, greatest thing. Sure, and sure. And it really wasn't. Then you had to tell them, ah, we got to take a pass. And then they'd be all mad. So I have to vet things first. If I don't believe in it, I couldn't be selling Marlboro cigarettes or Thai detergent because I could care less. Right. But if it works better on the job and it makes a better product or it's easier to use, I'm all over it. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we are talking about. Not only is it... Not only is it challenging to come up with a new product, but the, in this space, because you get a lot of pushback, but then it, the product has to be super viable. So it's almost like of the industries to come up with new products in, this space is one of the more challenging uh, in the construction industry and any industry, I would say, God, it's hard headed. It's super stubborn. And maybe just the construction industries that way in general, it's full of good old boys. People just, you know, they've done it. Their grandpa did it this way. Uh, even contractors, you know, contractors tend to actually be a little more open, you know, uh, to, to 
was one of the first guys that adopted nail guns when they first came out. Okay. And all of the and they they the guys that were in town for 40 years and they hand sawed everything and hand nailed. Yeah. Yeah. They actually told everybody, don't have him frame your houses. Those nails don't hold as good as a, a hammer-driven nail. Air nails are no good. Sure. And and people believe them. I dare you to find a framing contractor that's not using <laughs> nail guns now. I'm just saying, yeah. but in the beginning, those nail guns are no good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I've had plaster contractors here or drywall contractors here in Albuquerque go into the office of distributors that I've talked to, uh, L&W here and uh, New Mexico Plaster Supply and tell them without ever using Fresco Harmony that it does not work. Like, yep. and it's like, Same what? Deal. Hey, man. Those don't work. <laughs> And it's like, well, at least try it first. Maybe, maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised, you know, <laughs> who knows? Um, <clears throat> yeah, of course. So a great conversation as always, Kevin, uh, this, this, and I, I will get a hold of, uh, Lee and talk to him. You got to get me uh, shoot me Heath's number. Cause I would like to chat with him about that project maybe put him in touch with Sean. I, I'm happy to help with the fresco. I'm not really running the project. That would be more Sean's arena where he sort of organizes it. He would work with Heath and Chris, you know, you know, maybe there's compensation there for like pulling all this together. It's a great way to get a job done quickly. Uh, that would be the advantage. Um, you know, maybe they want to, maybe they don't. Uh, but it, it is a lot of fun to get a bunch of drywallers together and just talk shit and have fun. And, and right. it, it would probably bring some, it would illuminate Heath's business, you know, on, on the social media realm, like things like that. But uh, right. as this emerges, I believe there will be more and more advantages to doing this thing. You know, if these uh, companies are on board with sponsoring products, I don't see why, why this couldn't be a viable thing i've talked with uh, there's a builder up in napa valley crc builders really great guy he did a whole house in fresco harmony out of the gate dc2 drywall did a whole house and uh i pitched him the idea i was like hey we're doing this thing he's like yeah we got a wine tasting room coming up it's 2000 uh square feet floor feet let's do it i'll send you the plans so he was like immediately on board. He likes the fresco, you know, if they can get fresco done, uh, you know, with the, the owner developer guy coming up and hanging out, you know, and work and helping pick colors and things. Why not? You know? Right. So, um, we didn't get into any of the adventures in drywalls this round, but I really wanted to vet the wet and stick. It was a great conversation. I feel like I learned a little bit more too about no coat. That story is also interesting to me. Um, if you have questions about no coat, uh, you think it's a crappy product and you want Kevin and I to, to know about it, you can email me at info at frescoharmony.com and I'll make sure to pass along your criticisms. Uh, Here, I'll give you one. So, so back in the day, NoCoat came out with a, okay. You remember the olden days when you go to the park store, the Lumberyard, and they'd have the, the calendars they'd hand out to most people with the dogs and the flowers. And then they'd have the one under the counter with the girls and they'd yeah. hand it to the guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You got to know your audience, right? Who's your target market? 
So Grabber had the Grabber Man. He was an original Grabber clock. You see that guy with the screw going through the middle of him? Yep. That was the Grabber Man. Okay. Yep. So all of our logos had the Grabber Man, and he morphed over time. He became a little bit bigger and stouter. Yeah. And they printed him hard hat stickers, T-shirts, hats. <laughs> We'd get mugged for these going on the job. Okay. Grabber no longer uses the term Grabber Man because that's sexist. Okay. Okay. Noco came out with drywall nuke. Why can't they drywall just make nuke. a? Why can't they make a grabber woman? Who knows? <laughs> this day and age is just everybody's so worried about offending anyone. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Noco came out with drywall nuke. It looked like Dennis the Menace with a ball bat on his shoulder. Kind of okay. badass. Yeah. And same thing: hats, shirts, stickers. Guys love that. Then they came out with, I did a lot of calls on manufactured housing, and they would have inside 90s crack constantly because they'd tape them, they'd move the unit, and they'd crack. Okay. So they came out with a product called Zoomaflex. Same with this joint tape, had the plastic in it, you could run it through a bazooka. Okay. All these manufactured houses, we sold 26 plants in Pennsylvania, that's all they used. Took their cracking to zero. So then they came out with a guy called Bazooka's Nuke. And he's holding a bazooka, and he's on there. So a guy on the junkie site posted last week, his buddy got this tattoo on his arm, and nobody could tell what it was. Well, I knew right away it was Bazooka Nuke. So I okay. replied, and guys are like, oh, I remember that. That was cool. And I replied, it's a shame. All these companies have become such woke pansies. They get rid of their original logos that brought them to the show that every single construction guy and gal loved. Nobody was ever offended. It wasn't like there was tits hanging out or anything. Yeah, yeah. That. So now it's Grabber Pros. They got rid of every mention of what brought them to the show. And it kind of annoys me. You know, really, is Grabber Man that offensive? You could have Grabber Man and Grabber Woman. Who cares? Yeah, and that's more that's more on Facebook too. If you're listening, um, I have seen that thread on the Drywall Junkies page. Um, go check out the thread on Drywall Junkies and Drywall Junkies in general. Kyle Catling, the founder of Drywall Junkies, was on the Drywall podcast a while ago. I can't remember the number of show now, but you can also go and. Uh, uh, maybe friend Kevin. He's on Facebook. Maybe he'll friend you. Maybe he won't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't friend anybody. I don't even do shit on. So after the pounding I've taken, I don't post anything. I look yeah. a little bit. I post nothing. I say it like I feel it. And if people get all butthurt, so I'm like, screw you. Nah, you've been good on this show. Uh, I yeah, I try to stay political. I try to keep it a little bit edgy. You know, cuss I don't here and there. Anybody, but. The fact that the word grabber man's offensive, my brain can't grasp that, Nick. Now, no, you're younger than me. Is that offensive? I bet mm -mm. if we had Kayla and, and Shorty on and asked them, are you offended by the grabber man logo? I doubt they'd be offended. No. They'd be like, hell no. Put, put, put one with a pink shirt on. We'll wear it. No, and and a shout out to the drywall girls too. They're a little tougher, I think, than a lot of the girls uh, out there. You got these construction girls have pretty thick skin. They've, it, it, you know, it's likely that I they've. Never, I told you, I'm a big fan of women in the trades. Oh yeah, happen. oh yeah. I'd never do anything offensive, but I think I gave as many shirts to girls at shows as guys. 
nobody was offended by the grabber man sure like, really that's offensive and I think this, you know, this uh, woke culture, as you say, might be, you know, it might have uh, some, you know, drawbacks as well. Sticks and stones will break your words, but words will never hurt you. Yeah, now, yeah. I'm not going to say words can never hurt you because you can be hurtful. You oh, can yeah. say bad things and hurtful. But for the most part, I don't think anybody's out there trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I think people nowadays are looking for a reason to be offended. Yeah, they're waiting for it. I I opened the door for a lady the other day because that's how I was raised, and she was annoyed. Said I could open my own damn door, and I was taken aback. Like my mom and dad raised me to open the door for somebody or say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah, that's offensive now. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I do. Um, I do when I am with a. with a female i do like to hold the door and i do put my foot down uh around that i think it's uh there's a element of chivalry that i think is getting lost a little bit uh you know that's all fine and dandy about uh you know the feminine movement and all of that stuff but i do think there's an element of uh where um it's nice to that it's nice to do nice things for women and vice versa. Like it's nice for women to do nice things for men. It's like, we're we're all, we're all humans here. (laughs) My dad opened the door for the car for my mom, the 73 years they were married every single time. Oh yeah. Okay. Now is that being sexist? Oh, she's a woman. She could do, he was being chivalrous, but nowadays it's offensive. I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, me either. That that might be we we might hold that for another episode. <laughs> oh, uh, episode four, Kevin Bush Adventures in Drywall. This was sort of an adventure adventure in tool you know manufacturing some of the trials and tribulations and a little bit about this industry and Lee Goldman, which I'll be reaching out to. Hopefully, we can get him on the show. And uh, I'll talk to Heath, too. Maybe we'll find a a Rocky Mountain adventure right there in uh, Bozeman, Montana, uh, with some of you cool cats. A Big Sky Adventure. A Big... Yeah, there you go. The Big Sky Adventure. Big Sky Adventure. Big Sky Rodeo. The Big Sky Rodeo. (laughs) The Big Sky Rodeo Tour. Uh, Cool. Thank you, sir. Uh, Always a pleasure, Kevin. We talk periodically. I always value your time and your insight. And we'll talk soon, man. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right, bye. Shout out to Kevin Bush for being with us on the Drywall Podcast once again for episodes. How cool is that? We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. Also, shout out to Columbia Tools for sponsoring this month of the Drywall Podcast. They don't just talk the talk. They don't even just walk the walk at Columbia. Customer satisfaction is their battle cry. Their top priority is giving you a grade A experience from start to finish. Got a question? Got a concern? They're ready to tackle all of those head on by email or phone, even Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You can get a hold of them on any of those platforms. And be sure to check out their YouTube channels because they're super detailed how-to videos there as well. Their maintenance videos are the secret sauce and those kick-ass videos will keep your tools in prime condition. 
Guests of the Drywall Podcast will receive a sweet swag bucket from our friends over at CSR filled with all kinds of cool stuff. Got a hankering to tell your story and receive one of those sweet swag buckets? Let me know about it. You can contact me at info at frescoharmony.com or call me directly at 505-400-9313. Thank you so much for joining me and everyone on the Drywall Podcast today. I hope you have a fantastic Friday. And remember, keep drywalling.